You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Thursday episode, my co-host Rob Rang. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. We've been talking about this for months. We've been waiting day by day to see if the NFL would reinstate Josh Gordon. As of the time that we started recording this show, Pete Carroll even said the Seahawks don't know whether or not he's going to be reinstated, but they still decided to sign him today. Gordon officially rejoining the Seahawks as his defensive end, Demontre Moore, who visited with the team yesterday. Rob, we've talked about these players a lot throughout the offseason, particularly Gordon consistently being linked back to the Seahawks. And as I mentioned, he is still on the suspended list. And so he's not able to practice with the Seahawks yet. But Pete Carroll was mentioning they just felt the time was right right now. Rosters are going to be cut down to 53 players on Saturday. He's clearly somebody that they want to be part of their team this season. Yeah, I think that with the, with the timing of this, what that indicates to me, Corbin, is that the Seahawks have a feeling that, that, uh, that Josh Gordon is going to be allowed back into the NFL soon. Um, obviously, we, we, we have talked so much about Josh Gordon um, and, and just the rapport that he had already built up with Russell Wilson. We, we saw the, the incredible physical talent that Josh Gordon has. Anybody who has been paying attention to the NFL for the last decade or so has seen that. Um, but then we, of course, saw it here in Seattle for a couple of games last year. You saw the way that the team uh, still rallied around Josh Gordon, the way that Josh Gordon rallied around the team, even when he had his latest uh, suspension this past season. And so that is so much different than what we've seen from a lot of clubs in the past when they had a player suspended. So I think that this is uh, an exciting day. Um, You know, obviously, if you are a fan of Josh Gordon and the Seahawks and, and just the physical talent that he possesses, especially we've talked about this so much, when when you have the two starting receivers that the Seahawks have and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and the durability concerns that they have, there is nobody on Seattle's roster who better matches with what DK Metcalf has than Josh Gordon. And so it does give you a lot of positional flexibility if indeed Gordon is allowed to return to the field. We'll see what the timetable looks like. Again, I think I agree with you on this. The Seahawks obviously want him to be part of the team, but this tells me that they have an indication or an inkling that he is going to be reinstated here in the near future. And Pete Carroll mentioned this to reporters today. He has maintained contact with Josh Gordon all offseason long. He stayed in touch with him. He really wanted to give him another shot. This was a mutual situation. The Seahawks all along have wanted to have Josh Gordon back if the opportunity presented itself. Gordon has stayed in the Pacific Northwest. 
throughout the offseason. He clearly loves being out here. And so he wanted to be with the Seahawks. It seemed like a really good fit. And unfortunately, only got to play in five games before his latest suspension. But he really left a great impression on the coaching staff and his teammates. And that's why he's getting an opportunity, along with the fact that, as you mentioned, he's a physical freak at 6'3", 225 pounds, still very athletic, and was starting to really turn things on before he got suspended. Had that 58-yard reception against the Panthers in week 15. Really looked like he was starting to put everything together with Russell Wilson. If he's able to hit the ground running again, whenever he is reinstated, you are adding another big-time weapon to this receiving court. I made the argument earlier in an article today, in terms of talent, the best supporting cast that Russell Wilson has ever had around him. It is, and that's one of the exciting parts about this is because we have talked about about how this is such a, a talented receiving core, and even uh, you know past DK Metcalf, past Tyler Lockett, just the the straight line speed that a, that a player like Dorsett or, or Richardson might provide, or Gordon for that matter, as well as the size, obviously at the tight end position and running back as well. So the skill position talent really is extraordinary, and and it's really interesting too because again, one of the things I, I really appreciate about the CX and how they go about this is that it is more than just your stars. The, the constant turnover in, in the back end of the receiver uh, receiver depth has been really interesting. I mean, the fact that they have gone for you know to Paul Richardson the last couple of days, and obviously now you know Josh Gordon. Uh, you know, after bringing in a Philip Dorsett, with all the questions that you have about uh, you know David Moore or some of the other young receivers, um, like, a, like a Freddie Swain, like a John Ursua, um, the fact that you. You've seen Aaron Fuller among the, the free agents who, are, who have made some splashy plays. I think what this is an indication of is that the Seahawks know what they have in Russell Wilson. They know that he is an incredibly talented quarterback who is going to put the ball in a position to make these receivers look good. Who are the receivers, though, that can also make Russell Wilson look good, who can break a tackle, who can make a big play, and can stay healthy? That's one of the knocks, of course, on a guy like Dorsett or Richardson um, and some of the other smaller receivers. They don't get much bigger, as you said, with the freak like Josh Gordon. Looking at the other move that the Seahawks made today, shortly after David Kanner, Josh Gordon's agent, indicated the Seahawks had re-signed him, Demontre Moore's agent also tweeted that he had agreed to turn to the Seahawks. And this one was not surprising at all because he had the visit yesterday along with Justin Britt. And we know that Daryl Taylor, especially with the update that Carroll gave today, it doesn't sound to me like he is close to being ready to return to the field. Carroll keeps saying a couple weeks away, but really is not giving a true timetable. And now he hinted that it was a possibility that Daryl Taylor could be on the non-football injury list to start the season, which means he has to miss at least the first six weeks. He's not eligible to practice or play in games. They needed to add another veteran who knew the scheme, and Pete Carroll has always been a big fan of Moore, dating back to the time he played in four games with the team in 2016. He mentioned his motor. He loves his pursuit of the football, and he said he has passed his wild and crazy days as a younger player. He's got a child now, and that's really allowed him to zone in on what he needs to zone in on. He's in a much better place right now. And so that, to me, it makes him the ideal guy to bring in because you know that he can get acclimated quickly. He has played in this scheme. He played in San Francisco last year that runs a lot of the same principles with Robert Sala as their defensive coordinator. He used to be on the Seahawks staff, and he's only going to be 28 years old here coming up. So he's still a pretty young player. He's in the prime of his career. So this made a lot of sense. You're not going to get much better there. Of course, there is a certain big name out there that still has not been signed. But if you're looking for an affordable player to add to your rotation, Moore is certainly going to fit the bill. 
Well, he's, he's going to fit the bill. The Seahawks know him well. He has some positional versatility to him. Uh, I, I think that, again, the, the timing is very interesting. Obviously, if you're signing a player with only a, a day or two left of, of training camp, then you're basically acknowledging that you have a real concern at, at that position uh, on your team. I, I think that there's obviously, once we have the the, the releases on, on Saturday and everybody is going to know who else is available, then you know there's going to be a, you know, an extra flood of talent that's out there. And the fact that the Seahawks are making this move now, I, I think is interesting. Um, you know, and, but at the same time, I also think that, again, it, that you're talking about a player who is on the very end of your roster. Um, and so I, I, I wonder if Demontre Moore does, in fact, make this team, if, if maybe he's a player that the Seahawks might be looking to upgrade, if, uh, if certain players are remain available when we come back for the second quarter 53-man roster going to be decided for the Seahawks and the rest of the NFL on Saturday Seattle's already in the process of adding veterans that are going to be on that roster Rob you and I are going to be playing a little bit of a March Madness theme game here we're going to look at the last four players in and the last four players out on both sides of the football we'll start on offense in the second quarter when we return you're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Thursday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined by my co-host, Rob Rang. Rob, you and I, we both love multiple sports, and we both love baseball, college basketball, you name it. And we're going to play a game today that's got a college basketball theme. And I think it's especially important for us to do this, given the fact we did not get to enjoy an NCAA tournament this year due to COVID-19. And with the Seahawks and all 31 other NFL teams getting ready to trim their rosters from 80 to 53 players, rather than us just recite our 53-man rosters, our final projections, I want to look deeper at the last four players on offense that we decided to cut and the last four players that we decided to keep in. So we're going to play the role of John Schneider, and it's going to be a more detailed version here. And I'm really fired up to see how our lists compare and contrast. No, exactly. I think that, you know, as you said, it is a fun way of kind of acknowledging other sports. It's also a, a way to, to break down these players a, a little bit more uh, critically and, and really be able to kind of touch upon some of their strengths and weaknesses and why we think that they fit in with the Seahawks roster or unfortunately the case, how they don't fit in with the Seahawks roster. So let's start with the last four out. In the NCAA tournament, you always have four teams that believe they have a resume worthy of making the tournament and they just narrowly miss out. In this case, Four players on the Seahawks roster that I strongly considered, you strongly considered for making the team, and ultimately we just didn't have room for them on the 53-man roster. 
I'm going to start on the offensive line with B.J. Finney. Last week when we did our 53-man roster projection going into the final week of training camp, I excluded him from the roster. I had Justin Britt being signed. I am sticking with that, with Justin Britt having a second visit yesterday. He is not signed as of this recording, but I would be surprised if the Seahawks don't bring him back. And if they bring back Britt, That, to me, makes B.J. Finney expendable, even if you are eating a lot of cap space. Sometimes strong organizations just have to move on from a player, and I think that could be the situation that we are approaching here. I considered his versatility being able to play both guard spots, but they have a couple other younger guards that I still think are better fits at that that position in Mike Solari's scheme, and I just couldn't find room to keep him. Well, and that's exactly why I'm, I'm happy that we're doing this exercise, Corbin, because I think for all the reasons that you just explained, I think that B.J. Finney should be very, very concerned about making this roster. Um, I think that he absolutely is a candidate to be released. I had him as one of my last four players who did make the roster because at this point, Justin Britt has not been signed. Uh, but if he is, then yes, I think that B.J. Finney is likely to, to be on the way out. But as I have it right now, I do have him as one of the players who makes it in I do have a different offensive lineman a different offensive or the same offensive lineman that I projected before as possibly a surprise release and that being the second year guard who I really like out of Wake Forest and Phil Haynes but because he struggled to stay on the field because he does not have that positional versatility and because I am so excited uh, about the the upside that we have seen already uh with with, or excuse me that that I personally think about Damian Lewis that we have seen with Jordan Simmons uh, and, and then the reliability that is Mike Yapati. I, I think that the that Phil Haynes is very much in, in trouble. So that would be the, the, the reserve interior offensive lineman that I have among my four not making Seattle's roster. So we just are on different ends of the spectrum because Phil Haynes was one of my four players that was last four in and I considered cutting him just because of the durability issue but he has still been getting enough work at the left and right guard positions for me to feel like being a second year player, the size, the strength that he plays with. I've always thought he was a good system fit. I don't think they're going to give up on him this quickly. BJ Finney, they're going to be in a tough spot if Justin Britt signs. Now, if Britt doesn't sign, then I have him being a second center. That's why he is my last guy that I cut off of the offense. But number two on my list, we've talked about this time and time again, and I actually was really torn on this right now because of where Stefan Sullivan is health-wise. He's dealing right now with an injury that's been bugging him. I believe Carroll said that it was a hip issue that he's been dealing with now for a while, and he hasn't been able to get over the hump. So they were disappointed that he didn't get the strong finish he needed to camp. But I'm still keeping him over Luke Wilson at this point. I think it just comes down to upside. And I love Luke Wilson. I won't be surprised if he ends up making the team. This is one of them where it's really a toss-up. You either take the veteran that you know what he can do or the very raw rookie that has the upside to be a really good NFL tight end. I think the Seahawks will go with the younger player here, but I wouldn't be surprised if they keep the old standby, a very popular player in the locker room in Luke Wilson. For my projection, he's one of the first, our last four out. Yeah, I, I would I, again. I think that you did a really nice job explaining that because, like you, I, I think that Luke Wilson, his his time with the Seahawks uh, has made him one of my favorites, a, a fan, a favorite for a lot of fans, a favorite for a lot of the media and, and teammates. Uh, you know, his production, his toughness, his just sense of fun is one of the things that uh, I think has made him such a popular player. At the same time, I would be 
surprised if he made this roster just because, again, of his age and, and of the talent that I, I see kind of growing up at that position. Um, so he is a player that I currently have as not making the Seahawks roster. But frankly, I didn't even think that he was among the, the four final guys out. If I was to put a tight end out there who I think that might be released, that I think should be a surprise, it would be the undrafted free agent Tyler Mabry, who in my opinion has outplayed Luke Wilson and frankly Stephon Sullivan as well. But at the same time, as an undrafted free agent and one who ran the high four eights, low four nines, I think you might be able to sneak him on to the practice field. Practice that's, that's an argument that we made a couple days ago that Sullivan being a seventh rounder and his physical attributes probably going to be a tougher guy to sneak over. So that's, those are the kind of things you have to think about when you're coming up with your final 53-man roster. It doesn't always just come down to, can I get my 53 best players? There's some intricacies that go into picking those last couple of players that make the team. My next guy on my last four out, I was really torn here between David Moore and Paul Richardson. Obviously, David Moore has been with the team throughout camp. Paul Richardson just arrived. Pete Carroll mentioned how much of a struggle it's been trying to get him acclimated. He's only been with the team a couple days. They haven't been able to get him any reps. Today was the first day that he had any team reps with the Seahawks. But there will be a reason why I'm doing this later in our last four out, last four in segment. But I am cutting David Moore. And my rationale behind it is that he is going to make significantly more money and there's no dead cap hit if he's released. Some of you listening to the show probably know where this is heading later on, but I'm just going to let you speculate at this point. But I'm releasing David Moore and I'm hanging on to Paul Richardson, who is one of my last four in at a very tough decision there with a loaded receiver group. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the thing is the wide receiver group. I, I'm expecting a couple of cuts. Uh, you know, I think that, that just because the numbers, just because Seattle has shown so much of a willingness to to have some transition here. We talked about Dorsett. We talked about Richardson. We talked about Gordon. I, I think that there is a possibility. That there's some real shakeups there, and, and David Moore is among them. Uh, Richardson, and as well as Demontre Moore, as well as defensive tackle PJ Johnson, we, we've seen the Seahawks be willing to bring a player in and then release them just a couple of days later. We saw that with the linebacker, uh, Peter T, here just recently. I'm not so sure that Richardson is going to be able to make this roster if Dorsett is going to be okay. And so I wouldn't be surprised, though, because I personally think that those two players have a very similar skill set. I wouldn't be surprised if it's either or there. I think the Seahawks would rather it be Philip Dorsett. Uh, but at the same time, if he is still struggling uh, with the leg injury he had before, then you take away his wheels and he's not the same guy. You know, and so I think that's going to come down to one of those two players for now. I think that Paul Richardson is the one on the outside looking in. My last guy on my last four out is Nick Ballore. And some of our listeners might be thinking, a fullback, why is he even your last four out? It comes down to his special team's value. And the fact, I don't know that necessarily Seattle needs to have an insurance linebacker, but that's what Nick Ballore gives you. He has started at linebacker in the NFL previously for the San Francisco 49ers. And so he gives you a lot of versatility. He's a very good special teams player. And so... I considered him ultimately, though, I just don't think that he is worthy of one of those 53 spots. There's too many guys that I had him up against that I thought they can't afford to cut him. Nick Ballard just got one year left in his deal. He is now in his 30s. Still a solid role player that can contribute on special teams. Maybe he's a guy that gets cut week one and then he's brought back week two. That's something we saw with the same exact player last year. But he is one of those last four out for me because I just don't see enough offensive value from him. 
Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. And I'm happy that you mentioned about last year because I think that we could see the exact same situation. And I also like that you mentioned his special teams and linebacker positional versatility. Um, that may be something that shows up on the defensive side of the ball. YCL might be able uh, or, or be able to rationalize, uh, you know, getting rid of one of their young linebackers because of the versatility that, that Bloor uh, provides you. At the same time, I went with a different way. And I look at the quarterback position. You know, we all know that if anything happens to Russell Wilson, the season is going to be lost. Uh, Geno Smith, as I mentioned yesterday, I think is one of the truly best backup quarterbacks in all of the NFL. And so because of that, I have a hard time rationalizing taking a, keeping a roster spot for a third quarterback. I have been impressed by Danny Etling. I think that he does give you uh, some, some uh, flexibility there. At the same time, because this is such a such a difficult process, Corbin, really to, 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 to cut down this roster to 53, when you know that five or six of these players that you're going to cut, that you're hoping to bring back, are going to wind up getting signed elsewhere. I don't know that's going to be the case with the quarterback, Danny Etling. And so that's one of the reasons why I have him as the last player of the four to get cut on the offensive side of the ball. I'm really curious to see how they handle this backup quarterback situation because, as we've talked about, normally Seattle doesn't have more than two quarterbacks, but this is just a different year with COVID-19, and that is the most important position on the entire field. And so maybe, just maybe, Danny Etling's going to be in the mix there. My last player that was in, I've already mentioned Stephen Sullivan, Phil Haynes, and Paul Richardson, one of the receiver, Freddie Swain. I think they've been impressed enough with him, his special teams ability as well, returning kicks and punts that I think that they're going to be able to keep him and John Ursua on the roster. And this is all also riding on the fact that Josh Gordon is not currently instated. He's not on the official roster. He might open the year on the suspended list. And so you're able to afford keeping a player like Freddie Swain. When Josh Gordon's available, then that might be a position where Paul Richardson at that point, then you would move on from him. But certainly going to be some very difficult decisions at suddenly a very, very good, a very deep, receiving group with a lot of young guys and a lot of veterans. When we come back in the third quarter, we're going to play the same exercise now on the defensive side of the football. Last four out, last four in on the Seahawks, 53-man roster. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for our Thursday show, my co-host, Rob Rang. A little bit of a homage here to March Madness as we're playing last four out and last four in for the Seahawks 53-man roster. They have 48 hours until these decisions are going to need to officially be made, and they're going to have to release their 53-man roster. There's going to be some tough decisions. Normally, it's 90 to 53, so not quite as many guys that are going to be turned away with pink slips, but still you are going to have 27 players that were practicing this week that are no longer going to be with the team. Let's look at the defensive side of the football now. Starting with the last four out, I think you and I both were having a difficult time with this because the Seahawks have several intriguing young defensive tackles at the bottom of their depth chart. They're not going to be able to keep all of them. A big change-up for me from last week. I ultimately decided I can't keep DeMarcus Christmas on the roster right now. I have seen enough from P.J. Johnson, and I just think 
He's a more athletic, larger guy at 335 pounds that showed he could rush the passer a little bit in college, and he's shown it a little bit at practice. DeMarcus Christmas has never been a contributor, really, as a pass rusher, and I think Johnson has been comparable as a run defender. He's got the size to play the nose spot. He's a much bigger guy, 30 pounds heavier than DeMarcus Christmas. And so ultimately, I decided the sixth-round pick is being sent packing. Now, maybe he's a practice squad guy for you. I think it'd be a nice move to put him back on your practice squad. But I don't have him making the 53-man roster initially. Yeah, I have to agree with you on this one. And and I I really struggle with that because P.J. Johnson – or excuse me, because DeMarcus Christmas is a young player who was – you know, a really reliable player at Florida State, a, a team that has struggled here in recent years, but but he was one of the one of the, the relative bright spots in Tallahassee. And, and so I did struggle with that. But at the same time, we all know that he wasn't able to play last year due to injuries and basically spent the entire time on the practice squad. And so he didn't get many opportunities to to show what he could do. Um, and then during training camp this year, at least from what I've seen, I didn't see any splashy plays from him. I didn't see a lot of splashy plays from P.J. Johnson, but I saw more splashy plays. And as you mentioned, Corbin, he's a bigger man who also tested more athletically as well. So I, I, I think that that is a possibility that you might be absolutely right and that P.J. Hill makes this – excuse me, P.J. Johnson uh, makes that roster and DeMarcus Christmas does not. I have that going the exact same way. Last four out, last four in. Christmas out, Johnson in. My next guy on my last four out, you may be on Twitter right now as you are listening to this, and there are rumors circulating that Jadevian Clowney and the Saints may be a pairing. The Titans are still trying to make a push. Pete Carroll said the Seahawks are always competing when he was asked whether they were still in on Clowney or not. I don't know why, but I think now that we have reached the final hour, there's one week roughly until the regular season is here. I just think that Jadevian Clowney and the Seahawks are going to reach an agreement here. The Seahawks have more cap space to work with than the Saints do. The Titans have just kind of been hanging around. They've had their opportunities, and yet nothing has happened. I think through it all, Clowney has been hoping that he was going to end up back in Seattle. And for whatever reason, I just have a hunch that that's going to happen here. And so Demontre Moore, a player that Pete Carroll was talking up today, and obviously we talked in the first quarter about him being a really solid veteran that – Looks like he's got his life together, and he's a nice veteran to have on the roster for a rotational piece. He is not Jadevian Clowney. And if you are able to make one last run at him, Demontre Moore is going to be the guy that's roster spot is taken up by Clowney. And so I am going to pick up Clowney in this particular exercise. He's going to rejoin the Seahawks, and Demontre Moore heads back to the free agent market. Sure. I mean, so to me, it's similar conversations what we just had earlier on the offensive side of the ball. If the Seahawks were able to bring back Justin Britt, then, then I think that, that a guy like B.J. Finney is on the outside looking in, uh, just because not only of the fit, but of, of just of the talent. Uh, you know, the same kind of thing here. I mean, Demontre Moore is a solid player. I, I, could, I could see him making this roster. I could see him making a bunch of other NFL rosters. But he's certainly nothing like a Jadavian Clowney. And so if the Seahawks are able to bring Clowney in, or if there are other defensive line talent that is suddenly available on Saturday, then I could see Demontre Moore being one of those players that even if he does make the roster, doesn't make the roster that long. I, I feel like he is, you, you kind of know what he is. 
Uh, and so that's, I'm not so sure that's going to be enough to make this team. And that's why I actually do have Demontre Moore, uh, just as you did, Corbin, not quite making the roster, being one of the players that even though he just signed with the Seahawks, that his time here in Seattle isn't going to be as long maybe as he had hoped. And for my next to my last four out, we're going to the secondary. I actually have two secondary players that – I was strongly considering making this football team. I'm going to start off with Ryan Neal, a player that we talked about in an earlier episode this week when we were looking at bubble players. He's got good size at 6'2", around 200 pounds. He's a little bit leaner than what Nico Thorpe is, but very similar build. He's played safety. He has played cornerback on the outside. He's got the long arms to play there in Seattle scheme. He's played some NFL games as a special teams player. So he's got a lot working in his favor. He's 24 years old, so he's six years younger than Nico Thorpe. And as we've talked about time and time again, usually if all things are even, the Seahawks are going to go with the younger player. But I think this is the rare instance where Nico Thorpe is just such a valuable player in the locker room. He's such a good special teams guy. I think he's had a really solid camp for them this year. He's healthy. I think they're going to go with the guy that they know more about, the guy that is beloved in the locker room. And that's not saying Ryan Neal's not a good teammate. But Nico Thorpe is one of the most popular guys on this team. And I still think that he is probably your fifth best corner on your team. And he's one of the clear standouts on special teams. So Ryan Neal, again, could end up on the practice squad like he was for a portion of last season. And he gives you a guy that you would be confident in if you had to call him up to the active roster and he had to play special teams, even if he had to have a few snaps on defense, if there were some injuries, he is a guy the Seahawks have had around enough. He's got the size and athleticism that they would at least be comfortable that he could get the job done. Yeah, you're pretty much talking me into it. I mean, that's the thing is I've been a big Nico Thorpe fan, kind of like Luke Wilson, uh, a big Nico Thorpe fan for a long time, dating back to his time at Auburn. I mean, this is a good football player. You mentioned like the, the leadership, the, the special teams. I mean, he's a special teams captain, not just a special teams player. I mean, when we had the mock game, I mean, he was the one who took the 12th man flag and ran it out there. You know, obviously there wasn't a lot of fans in the stands, but just kind of shows his place on the team. And yet, as you mentioned, with the age and all other things considered, you know, I really do wonder if the Seahawks are going to be willing to bring back a 30-year-old defensive back, especially knowing how much they struggled with just pure speed on the outside a year ago. And so I do think that they might go with the upside, at least perceived upside, of a guy like Orion Niels, who, who I have been one of the last four to make it in. And I do have Nico Thorpe being one of the last four to does not make Seattle's roster. I'm going to stay in the secondary for my last one on my last four out column here. And it's an undrafted rookie out of Baylor, Chris Miller, who's been sporting number 41 at practice. And I tell you, he was not really on my radar until this last week and a half. And I've seen some major improvements. There have actually been some flash plays out there. And you've seen Jamal Adams out there celebrating with him too. And I think that this is a young guy we talked about going into camp at Baylor. He wore a single digit number, which playing in Matt Rule's program, that is a really big deal. And he wore the number three there. He started for a couple of years. He is not quite as athletic as Marquise Blair, but he plays the game with a similar tenacity. He's a hard hitter, sometimes to a fault. He has gotten plenty of penalties against him. He's been kicked out of games before. 
for targeting something Marquise Blair did plenty when he was at Utah. Again, these guys are wired very similarly. He's just not quite as athletic. He's a guy that was running in the four sixes, low four seven. So he's not the same athlete, but he can play special teams. He's a smart kid. I think the Seahawks are going to want to develop him. I don't know that he makes this roster, but I I certainly think like Ryan Neal, he's a guy that they would like to keep around to develop that eventually maybe he can get on the field. Lano Hill was in my last four in with him having his experience playing a lot on defense. He's a good special teams guy, but I could see Chris Miller in 2021 replacing where he's at of the depth chart. I'm happy that you mentioned Chris Miller because I, I think that he's a really intriguing guy. I mean, he, he is a player, as you mentioned, that that, that was a, a hard hitter um, at, at the safety position while at Baylor. When, when Seattle brought him in, I, I thought, I wonder if they're going to try and move him to that corner position. And of course, they've done that, you know, a couple of years before with, with Trey Flowers very successfully. Uh, you know, Chris Miller, to me, has that type of, of positional versatility. You mentioned the straight line speed concerns. At the same time, he plays fast because he is such an instinctive and kind of fearless player. Um, I, I do like the upside. I do think that he is wired for special teams. And so the same things that we were talking about before with Nico Thorpe and with Ryan Neal, I think that very much can be in the, in the Chris Miller factor. Uh, at the same time, as an undrafted free agent this year, I think it's going to be really, really tough. I just don't know that there's going to be any of the undrafted free agents that, that make Seattle's roster this year. We'll see. I think that he is very much among those guys that, that has a shot. But you know, my last one out, again, is in the secondary, like you, Corbin. And, and I, I struggle with this one because this is a young player who I like. His, his physicality, similar thing as Chris Miller. But, but in Leno Hill, I see a guy who is basically just a strong safety and special teams guy. I, I see a player like in Miller who I think can give you a little bit of corner, maybe give you a little bit of safety and give you some on special teams. I think players like Ugo Amadi can give you some at safety, give you some at nickel corner, give you some as a return man on special teams. And so it's because of the, the lack of positional versatility. It's because of the lack of, of health, frankly, with Lane O'Hill. We've seen him kind of go in and out. I think he's really good at what he does, and that in Seattle is one of the few teams that uses their strong safety like an extra linebacker. But you made the big trade for Jamal Adams. Turn him loose and, and hope that he is going to be able to be that playmaker to justify you know what you did for it so that's why I have Leno Hill as being one of the last guys out and Ugo Amadi who I think is very much on the uh, on the borderline as well being the last guys in for this roster. Ooh, Ugo Amadi being in here last four in I didn't even consider him to be on my bubble he's certainly a player that has lost out at the nickel spot to Marquise Blair, but I think his versatility and special teams talent probably a player that I wouldn't even have considered but certainly As you mentioned, uh, he has not had a standout camp necessarily. And so when you don't have a standout camp and you're battling for a position and you lose out on it, certainly you are at the lower end of the roster and it puts things in a little bit more tenuous of a position. I haven't making the team, though, no problem. My last four in, I mentioned P.J. Johnson, Nico Thorpe, and Lano Hill, for me, is on the roster. Ben Burkirvin is my fourth guy here, and we've talked about this several times. He has had a good enough camp. He's an instinctive player. He's always around the football. He's made some plays in coverage as well. He's undersized. I don't know that he's ever going to be a player that can be an every-down linebacker in the NFL. But I think he is a sound enough special teams player, and he's shown enough improvements at linebacker in a reserve role. You could, you could put him in for some snaps, and he would get the job done. We know he's a playmaker. 
based on what he did at Washington. And so I just think with the special teams, the fact he's only a second-year player, they really love the depth at linebacker. I think they're still going to keep seven of those guys, especially with Bruce Irvin and Shaquem Griffin being used occasionally as edge rushers over there in, in pass-rushing situations. So I'm going to stick with Ben Burkirvin as my last four in. He's the last guy that makes the roster. They can, they're going to keep this loaded linebacking core together for the 2020 season, at least for week one. Well, it's going to be interesting. I, I like the, the fact that uh, the idea of being able to keep that young linebacking core together. Um, you know, I think that, that is one of the things that the Seahawks did a nice job of, of, of getting some really fast linebackers each of the last two years. And I think that you are going to see that, that, that success uh, or, or that, that strategy uh, pay dividends, especially given the way that the, the, uh, the offenses are running in the NFC West division. Um, I, I mentioned my four players who are out, they being Nico Thorpe, uh, Demontre Moore, uh, Demarcus Christmas, and, and Lane Hill, as well as my four players who in Ryan Neal, BBK would be the one who I think is right on the edge, but I do have him making this roster for a lot of the same reasons that you just mentioned, uh, Ugo Amadi, and then, uh, of course, PJ Johnson, the, the big defensive tackle as well. It's going to be really fun to see how this plays out, at least from our perspective. Always have to feel for the players that don't make the team. It's one of the roughest things in professional sports. Roster cut down day, going from 80 players this year to 53. There's always a surprise or two. And this would be my other disclaimer. You can guarantee whoever's on the 53-man roster on Saturday, there's going to be some shuffling within 24 to 48 hours once other teams have made their cuts. And there's going to be a lot of movement. And this year especially is going to be a weird one without preseason games. As Pete Carroll mentioned, you don't get to scout all that film this year, but they are still going to be aggressive looking at players that get cut by other teams. So there's going to be some surprises. There's going to be changes after that initial 53-man roster. Going to be a lot of fun to see how this plays out. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever your preferred podcast platform is by going to our website, LockedOnSeahawks.com. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about the Seahawks injury luck with rookies. It just continues to be an issue, especially for high draft picks this year. That trend is unfortunately continued. And then Nick and I are going to be dishing our final 53-man roster projections for the Seahawks heading into Saturday's cut down day. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks.